0: And welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the interesting, creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host. I'm recording out in Reykjavik, Iceland, as always. It is a beautiful blue skied summer day. Summer has finally come to us for a little short while at least. Um, so I've been out and about this week, I've been having fun, I've been seeing friends, um, everyone has woken up and become more social. Um, it does mean that I have spent less time playing than usual, because it was just a very social week, so I haven't gotten around to finishing off Final Fantasy 16. That's the game that I was planning to review this week. Um, I'm still around the, the 90% mark, I think, I'm in the end game, I'm on the last uh, area of the game. Um, so I will polish that one off for the next week, and I will talk more about Final Fantasy 16 and give it a full, thorough review. I've got lots of thoughts about it. Um, The blush has come off the rose a touch with it, I would say. Um, Some of the side quests are getting a little uh, prosaic and repetitive towards the end of the game, and there are even some uh, very JRPG, MMO-style fetch quests that are working their way into the main quest I just really feel like they're slowing things down a little. But I'm still loving the combat. I'm still enjoying the story, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that game wraps up. I did think about reviewing the game uh, without having finished it, but my my opinion of Final Fantasy 16 has been evolving uh, gradually throughout the playthrough. I think it's one of those games where you just have to have seen the end to talk about it. I think sometimes, um, sometimes you need that, you know. So I was having a little think. I was like, what shall I do on the podcast this week? And I've got a few things to talk about nonetheless. Um, it is the start of July, or it is since the last podcast. Uh, the month has turned over to July. So I will run through the uh, the indie highlights that are coming out this month. And also, there's been a little game that has come out of nowhere and snuck into my life um, that I've been playing every day. It's a mobile game. It's a daily game. It's uh, It's called Coffee Golf. And it's a little bit like wordle if it was um, putting and pitching and driving over a few holes of golf every day instead of nailing a five-letter word. Um, So this one was introduced to me by Brian Scotia of the Pixelated Playgrounds podcast, so thank you to Brian. Um, It has taken over the the gaming-in-the-wild discord like wildfire. Everyone has been playing Coffee Golf, and I was wondering whether there was enough meat on the bones to actually review the game on the podcast, but I started making notes, and honestly I've got more notes for Coffee Golf than I had for games like Ravenlock and Hoa and Adios and other games that i reviewed lately, so to my own surprise, I think there's more than enough to talk about with Coffee Golf. So that will be the featured game of this episode in lieu of that Final Fantasy XVI review that will be coming next week. But before we get to Coffee Golf, let's have a look at the releases for July. A couple of them have come out already. Um, This is the spreadsheet of game releases that we keep... Uh, for the podcast and also I've opened it up so that patrons of the show who are in the Discord community can also throw games in here. So it's become a bit of a group effort. Um, I would like to say a big thank you to anyone who has been contributing to this, all of the patrons who've been uh, pasting in games, developers, publishers, what platforms things are coming out on, what their release dates are, uh, trailer links and all that sort of stuff. It really does make keeping on top of what is coming out much easier. And I do like that it is... Uh, more of a community document now. It's not just my interests, games that catch my eye, it's games that catch a whole bunch of other people's eyes too, so it's a bit more uh, diverse in here than it used to be, I think. Um, But a couple of games have come out already. So Synapse, or Synapse, depending on how you want to pronounce it, that came out on the fourth. It's by Endreams. It's a PSVR 2 exclusive. Looks pretty cool to me. It's like this digital psychedelic VR shooter. Um, I don't have PSVR 2, so obviously I can't be playing it, but I do think it's one of the more um, eye-catching games that has come out on PSVR 2 so far. So if you do have PSVR 2, then Synapse Synapse, um, is maybe worth checking out. It has a 75 on Metacritic, um, so it's not blowing the doors off critically. But that's, that's a respectable score, and there isn't much to play on that system, so it's nice to see a new release there. Uh, on the 6th, a game called Guilt came out, spelt G.Y.L.T. by Tequila Works. Um, this one looks a little bit like uh, Lost in Random, if you've seen that one, or Theia. It's one of those uh, polygonal um, third-person adventures. This one has a stealth element to it. I skipped through a little playthrough on YouTube and it looked like the, the streamer that I was watching was spending a lot of time crouching and dodging. and Um, evading and all of that kind of stuff. It has a 69 on Metacritic, so iffy score, Uh, but Guilt is out now too. And now moving on to games that are actually coming out this month. Um, On the 12th, this is one of the highlights of the month, I think. Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals is finally coming out by the Night School Studio. It is the sequel to the acclaimed indie gem Oxenfree. Um, Night School Studio was interestingly bought up by Netflix as part of their experimental venture into gaming. Um, So it's coming out for iOS devices and Android devices, which you will get for free if you have a Netflix subscription. And it's also coming out on Switch. Um, This is an interesting game. I mean, I really like Toxin Free. I like the dynamic dialogue system where you can um, have a flowing conversation where you can kind of time your responses. And it's less like static and uh, turn turns each than a lot of video game dialogue, you can choose whether you want to interject, you can choose whether you want to bite your tongue, and the dialogue will evolve based on those choices. You can even interrupt people and cut them off and change the subject. It's really, really cool, actually, and the quality of the writing was very good, too. It was very snappy, um, and it had a little bit of that... Stranger Things vibe to it, or like uh, Stand By Me or E.T., where there are young teens and um, science fiction goings on. Um, so it had a nice sort of nostalgic vibe to it as well. So Oxenfree 2 is one that I will be playing for sure, and that comes out on the 12th. On the 14th, it is time for Exo Primal. This is not a game that I'll be playing, um, but a lot of people seem interested in it. It's the Um, Capcom game. It's a team-based shooter where you are fighting floods of dinosaurs that come pouring out of the sky. Um, It's a pretty snappy concept. I think the first trailer caught a lot of people's attention, like a tidal wave of dinosaurs that you have to deal with. Um, I think it has different modes and stuff. This is not my field of expertise whatsoever, but I believe there is a player versus player element to it, So I think it can be played in co-op, or it can be played competitively. Um, People seem a little excited about that one. Exoprimal, out on the 14th. Um, And also coming to Game Pass, that one. So you can at least try it for free if you're interested. Um, On the 18th, um, this is one of my highlights too. I've got this one bolded up. It is Viewfinder, a game that I've mentioned several times. It is the uh, Portal-like Um, that seems related to games like The Witness, Superliminal, Manifold Garden, a first-person puzzle game uh, where you take photographs um, and you can use them to alter the environment around you, to make bridges appear, to make doors appear in blank walls. It's quite ingenious. It's quite nice-looking. That's coming to PS5 on the 18th. Um, I have a review copy of Viewfinder, and I have been playing through it, um, so I will be reviewing that one. I think there is an embargo until... The, uh, the 17th of July, and it comes out the next day on the 18th, so expect to hear me talking about Viewfinder. 18th, a busy, a busy day, actually. There's three games coming out on that day. First, Viewfinder. Second, a game called Full Void uh, by Out of the Bit. Uh, you may have heard me talk about that one before. I played it um, in Steam Next Fest, I think earlier this year or the end of last year. This is a pixel art inside, so it's a side-scrolling platformer. Um, you are going through a world that has been taken over by nasty aliens that are hunting down all the people. Um, it's kind of cool, like you'll be walking through a cityscape, um, avoiding robots and hiding, but you will see through like the blind of a house behind you that there is an alien that seems to be either feeding on a human or tapping into its brain in some way, and you'll just see a silhouette um, against the blind. So it has this invasion of the body snatchers, Uh, Mars Attacks kind of vibe to it. Um, I found it a little tricky and frustrating. Um, The controls were a little bit like that old-school Prince of Persia, Another World flashback sort of vibe. A little bit like Planet of Lana. Um, But the pixel art is really nice. Um, If you want a pixel art inside, then Full Void is out on the 18th. Also out on the 18th is Tectonica by Firehose Games. Um, This is a first-person factory automation game. Uh, where you have to harvest resources, build machines, um, and from the looks of the trailer, um, you can build some very, very big, impressive, complex factories that are taking in resources and churning out whatever it is that they churn out. Probably uh, resources that you can then use again, like refining resources and machines and things like that. So if you like a a factory-type game, it's a first-person one, which is a little unusual for that kind of game. Those things are usually top-down or something like that. That one's called Tectonica. On the 19th, a game called Let's Revolution is coming out by Antfood. It's coming out on PC and Mac. Um, It was in a wholesome direct, and it's described as a colourful roguelite puzzle mashup about stopping a narcissistic king from ruining your world. Uh, Flip tiles to uncover the hidden path to the king. So this one looks like a puzzle game. You're looking down a little grid. Um, You move across the grid. You flip a tile every time that you touch it. And you try and navigate through this little grid structure. Sometimes you will get encounters. Sometimes you'll get combat. Um, So it's got a little sort of card gamey, puzzle gamey feel to it. Um, Only on PC and Mac, but Let's Revolution comes out on the 19th. Uh, Three games on the 20th. Immortals of Avium. This is one that has been featured in a bunch of PlayStation stuff. Um, I've seen it in some showcases. It's it's that game where you cast magic with your hands. It is a first-person game. A little bit like Ghostwire Tokyo, but rather than being in a, a dark, empty city, this one is in a bright, eye-popping fantasy world. Um, also on the 20th, The Wandering Village by Stray Fawn Games. This is coming to Game Pass. It's like a, a village builder, but the twist here is that the village that you are building is on the back of a giant, lumbering, wandering, dragon-like creature. So as you're building your village, you're actually on the on the back, on the shell of a giant creature that is trundling through the world. It's quite a nice twist on that. It's got a nice little art style too, kind of inky, paper crafty art style. Uh, that one's called The Wandering Village. Also on the 20th, Lakeburg Legacies. Uh, this was in a wholesome direct too. It's another survival management type game, this time mixed with RPG and social elements and based around Viking family trying to survive on a mysterious island. It's isometric, hand-drawn, very cute. Lakeburg Legacies, if you're into that kind of strategic social game, is on the 20th also. Uh, A couple more to go. On the 21st, Crime O'Clock comes out. It's out now on Switch, um, and it has a Metacritic score of 68. Um, So middling scores there, but I find this one pretty interesting. It looks like Toem. It has a monochrome line-drawn art style, and it's about investigating and moving through time Um, to untangle crimes, to preempt crimes uh, before they happen. So you're moving through different times and talking to different people. Really nice art style. Um, The gameplay has been criticised as being a little simplistic, but I want to try Crime O'Clock. There's just something about it, Um, so I think I will be picking that one up at some point. But it comes out on Steam on the 21st anyway. I've requested a code for it. If that comes through, I will cover the game on Switch. Also on the 21st, a big one for Nintendo fans is Pikmin 4. Um, This one has a demo that I have not touched yet, and I'm dying to play it. Um, I'm going to pick up that demo. I have it downloaded. I'm going to pick that one up and play it this weekend, I think. Um, People who have played it have said that they played it several times. I know two different people who have played through the demo more than once, so promising signs for Pikmin 4. Three games to go. There is a game called Space Cats Tactics, coming out on the 24th, by Mitzi Games. This is a a turn-based spaceship battler. Um, so it's a tactics game set in space, but the ca- the the spaceships are all piloted by cats. So that has a little twist on it there. Um, on the 27th, The Expanse is coming out, the Telltale game. Um, I imagine that will be typical Telltale fare, so story-based, narrative-driven, um, with choice-based, with um, consequential outcomes set in the Expanse universe. Um, I watched the first couple seasons of The Expanse, like the first... Um, to the resolution of the big mystery at the heart of the first season. And then I really fell off it when Amazon took over the show. It seemed to lose a step. Um, I'm I'm vaguely interested in the Expanse universe. I think I'll wait and see what the reviews are like on that one. Um, And finally, on the 31st, another highlight for me, we are finally seeing the release of Venba by Visai Games. This is coming to Game Pass and also to PC and all of the consoles. This is a cooking game with a really bright visual art style. It's also about Indian heritage, uh, family, how uh, food applies to socialising and nostalgia and family bonds, and uh, what a big part of culture it is. I'm really looking forward to Venba. That one's coming out on the 31st um, on PC and all of the consoles, and it will be on Game Pass, so we can try it for free. So my highlights of that from the month are Oxenfree 2 on the 12th, Viewfinder on the 18th, Crime O'Clock on the 21st, and Venba on the 31st. So four good indie games that I'll be playing for sure this month. And just before we get on to talking about the featured game of the episode, Coffee Golf, um, I would like to say a big thank you to all of the show's patrons um, who contributed to this spreadsheet of uh, of game releases. If you would like to support the show and become a patron yourself, um, chip in some games for this spreadsheet, come and join our Discord, Um, and join in with our coffee golf-a-thon that we're all doing right now. Uh, You get 10 bonus episodes as well, and the Discord is a lovely place to come and talk to people, tell us what your taste is, um, suggest games for the podcast, um, and just hang out, basically. It's a really, really nice corner of the internet to talk about games. You're welcome to come and join us. You can do so at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild, uh, where you can become a patron from as little as a dollar a month, So I think it's a pretty good package. You get those 10 extra episodes, you get to come join the community, and you get a bunch of other cool perks as well. It's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild if you would like to join up. Um, And a big thank you to patron Soccer, who upped their pledge this month from $3 to $5. I always appreciate it when someone who has been hanging around a while um, seems to be feeling good about being a patron of the show and ups their pledge. That's a really nice thing to do. So thank you, Soccer. Thank you to all my patrons, and thank you to you, if that sounds like something you might do. And with all of that said, let's move on and talk about the featured game of this episode Coffee Golf. So Coffee Golf is a little game that came out of nowhere. I had no intention of playing this one and was not aware of it until uh, B Sushi, aka Brian Skircher uh, recommended it on the show's Discord. I've become fiercely addicted to this little game and I'm a little surprised to be talking about it here, but it's a really good time. So you know, it's a fun one to cover, something a bit different for the podcast. Um, It was developed by a company called Shallot Games that have made a lot of mobile games. Um, It came out for iOS and Android. You can download it for free, um, and the only paid thing is that you can pay four US dollars to unlock limitless replays, uh, which now also allows you to play past courses as well. Um, So, it's a great little game that costs $4 to unlock all of the features, which just feels like a bargain considering how much I've been playing it lately. Um, It does not have a meta score, but it has a 4.8 user review aggregate on the Google Play Store and a 4.7 from over 2,000 reviews on the Apple App Store, so it's going down well with players. And the developers describe it by saying, it's a small daily golf game to go with your morning coffee. A new course every day. sink the five holes in any order using the fewest strokes possible. Share your flawless score with friends as you forget about all the lily pads you left in the water. And I have to say of this one that it's an improbably compelling mini golf phone game. Each day you get a new five hole course and it takes luck, skill and strategy to get around and whittle down your stroke count. It's a humble game that is powerfully addictive. So... This is a daily phone game, it's not the kind of game that I usually cover on the show. I haven't covered phone games for a while. Um, I have covered a few in the past that have been on Apple Arcade, for example, Bleak Sword, uh, Monument Valley, games like that. But I don't play a lot on the phone these days, I tend to play a few word games like Wordle and Quordle and uh, the New York Times Spelling Bee. So I have a little kind of root of phone games that I will play every day. So I have these little daily games, I have four, five, six of them now, and coffee golf just kind of got folded into that rotation. So if you are someone that plays Wordle, that likes a little distracting little side quest game on your phone that you can dip into throughout the day, um, this is a perfect fit for that. Um, So what is it exactly? It's a top-down golf game. So you're looking down at an isometric view of a golf course. Uh, The course is simple and bright, Um, It's built on a grid, so all of the land is kind of squared off. It tends to be on an island, um, so there are water hazards, there is a coastline, um, there are greens, fairways, sand traps, all of the things that you expect to see, uh, copses of trees that will get in your way and block your shots, that kind of thing. Um, You have to work your way around using your three different types of club, and you get a stroke count on each hole. You can tackle the holes in any order. And at the end, you get a Wordle-style social graphic. It shows you what order you tackled the holes in, because each flag is a different color. So if you see your friend's uh, Wordle-style coffee golf score, you can be, oh, wow, they took on the purple one first. I didn't think of doing that. I took on the blue one first. And they can see, vice versa, the way that you chose to handle the course on that day. Um, Each colored little block also has the number, the stroke count for that hole. So it's made to be competitive, it's made to be shareable, it's made to give you that little feeling of wanting to show off your great score, or commiserate with your terrible score. It's really smart design. Um, But all of this is aided by the fact that it's very easy and satisfying to play. It has uh, touch controls, it's very, very intuitive to pull back the, uh, the club and to let go and to choose the direction you want your shot to go in and how hard you want it to be. It comes very naturally, but That said, there is also some depth here um, and there are some tricks that you can learn and you will get better and better um, at the game as time goes on, as you uh, discover new strategies and find new ways to control your shots. So there is quite a lot here for such a simple game. And one of the first things that caught my attention about it is that deciding on which order to take on the holes is a puzzle in itself. Uh, Because if each day has a different shaped island um, with the holes in different places that require different kinds of shots, Um, you are free to take them on in any order that you want. So the first thing you have to do is to identify whether or not there is any hole that you can get um, a nice laid up shot so that you can just knock the ball in on your second stroke. Um, And there are often deceptive holes that look like the best option but as you work your way around the course you realize that you've you've kind of come in a way where you're having to dodge a lot of water you're having to uh, bounce the ball over hazards and there might be a more optimal optimal way to get around the course and so it does take a couple tries to actually figure out a good route and it is a puzzle in itself and it's a puzzle that i quite enjoy sometimes you will have tried several times to get a good score and then realize that if you went the other way by doing an improbable long shot on the first putt, you might have a much easier time, and so it can completely change the way that you're playing the course, um, even when you've played the course several times already. So it's really fun to experiment a little bit, see if you can find an alternate order to play the holes. And it's really nice to come back to the course, like if you play for like 20 minutes in the morning, then just don't think about it for a while. And then when you have a coffee break or lunch, play it a couple times then and play 20 minutes then. And then later in the evening, you're sitting watching TV and you might have another little 20-minute session again. iOS actually tells me that that time has mounted up more than I thought. I've actually played coffee golf for between one and two hours a day, which astounded me. Um, I thought I was playing for 20 minutes a day or something, a few five-minute rounds, but it seems that the game has been sucking me in much more than I thought. Um, and I do think that if you add all of that up, that's like, you know, I'm playing like 10 hours of this game a week or something, which is just crazy. I think it's probably the reason that I didn't get around to finishing Final Fantasy 16 this week. Uh, because I've been sitting with my feet up, watching Netflix, watching YouTube, playing coffee golf and just being happy as a clam. Uh, when I could have been powering through a massive JRPG instead. Um, But that does tell you something, that the game itself is just such a compelling little loop, that it's it's a zone-out game in uh, the best possible way. You can really just switch off um, and almost go into autopilot and just try and get that perfect run. Um, I do think that the game looks nice, it's simple, the isometric graphics are clean, Um, the courses are built onto that grid so you'll see little squares of land. You can spin the course freely um, to line up your shots Um, and this feels good and it looks crisp um, and the ball is always at the centre of the screen, and um, the camera just follows the ball, uh, but as you spin the course around on your vertical screen, you can see into the distance, you can see the next flag that you want to go for, um, and it all works very nicely. Um, the game does have sound, it has simple stripped-down sound, there is an ambient track of bird song, there are club strike sounds, there are rustles when you hit trees, um, there is a, a little cheer when you sink the ball. Um, I have that turned off, though. There are a few options in the game. I've got the sound turned off because I've just playing the game for, for a long time, and so I'm just playing it on silent mode. Um, but the gameplay itself is, I would say, improbably compelling for this game. Um, you have three kinds of club. You have a driver for long airborne shots uh, that go high into the air uh, at quite a quick speed. It's the farthest that you can get is to use your driver. You have a wedge which um, will let you do shorter, more vertical shots. So you can loop up into the air quite slowly, um, but with one very high bounce when it hits the ground. So you can use that to your advantage to try and bounce up onto um, a level higher than you have the ball right now. Sometimes the greens are elevated, and you might want to use your wedge to, for example, go over a tree and then bounce up onto an elevated green. Um, Then you have a putter. This is just for the ground shots to knock it into the hole. it can um, go quite far, the putter, um, but you really have to be within range of the hole. And so, you know, much like in real golf, you're going to use your driver and your wedge to get as close as possible to the hole. And then you are going to put the ball in. Um, and my my kind of standard for myself in this game is to try and get holes in one, um, which I've gotten better at over time. Um, and to try and get very, very, very close to the hole. So you can just knock it in with the putter. So I consider par on a hole to be two shots. Um, so I'm looking to try and get a 10 or below as a soft goal for myself every single day. And you can use the driver, the wedge and the putter in quite creative ways. You can try and um, use the driver to putt from distance, um, but the ball's going to move quite quickly and there's little variance in direction when you're using the more powerful clubs. They are much less accurate than the putter. So there is a little bit of a life in how you use these three clubs. Um, I think it's quite fun using them in unconventional ways. Um, For example, using the wedge to try and put directly into the hole without even bouncing. It's a fun little side quest. You can mess around with the clubs and find the ways that you that you like to use them. Um, The controls are very, very simple. You rotate the course with the touch screen. You select the club that you want. There is a button for each one. Um, You touch the ball, drag your finger back. That will set the direction. You can see a little ghost line that is showing you the rough trajectory that the ball will take. Um, It's showing you the distance, showing you the power. You simply let go uh, to take that shot Um, The shot is played. Um, You can also cancel out of a shot by sliding your finger back to the ball if you decide that you want to change club or something. So you can reverse, you're not committed um, when you see that ghost line. And when it is the putter, you will see a straight line that tells you exactly where the ball is going to go. It's precise. Um, When you use the wedge or the driver, however, you will see a ghost line, but you'll also see a target area. It's like a ghost circle, Um, and the farther that you're hitting the ball, the bigger that ghost circle gets. Um, And there is some RNG and variance in your shots, so there is a little element of luck here. They are not entirely accurate when you're using the more powerful clubs or hitting the ball further, so there's a little element of randomness introduced there. I would say for better and for worse, um, as you play the game more often, um, it does introduce, you know, much like sports, people don't execute, um, in sports like machines. There is a human element to sport. You know, there is a shake of the, of the hand as someone, one is taking a shot. There is wind, there is uh, mood, all kinds of things affect sport. It does have random elements. It does have chance elements and luck elements as well as skill. So while the variance might be at times frustrating because you're trying to get an accurate shot and the game just doesn't let you uh, by making your ball skew off very slightly, making you miss a shot that you really wanted to get, um, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? It's like if you're playing real golf, you don't hit a perfect shot every time. So the game is trying to simulate that little bit of uh, chaos um, that makes sport interesting in the first place. Um, There are hazards that you're going to have to avoid as you're going around. One of the worst ones is trees. They can be useful in that you can hit the ball into a tree to make it stop quickly. So you can cushion the ball against a tree. However, the trees have a little trunk and they have a low-hanging, kind of fluffy green shape. And if you get stuck underneath a tree, or if you hit the ball into a forest, um, you cannot hit the ball out of there with your driver or your pitch. You are trapped. And you're going to have to put away from the tree. It's a very frustrating um, run-ending problem. If you accidentally skew in the wrong direction and get stuck under trees, you're probably going to be just restarting the course because you're going to be using up a lot of strokes just getting out of there. Um, there is also water. If you hit the ball into water, um, you are taken back to your last position to take the shot again, uh, but a lily pad will appear where you sank the ball in the water. Um, lily pads are... A nice little feature in this game, actually. It means that if you were hitting towards a hole and the ball skewed off slightly into the water, you can land on that lily pad now. Because when you hit the ball, it's moving at speed. And so the bounce is often a problem. You might go too far. You might roll off the land and into the water or roll into a sand trap. Um, but lily pads make the ball basically stick to them. So if you are stuck, you can... Uh, hit onto the lily pad that you just created, and the ball will just stop and stick there, so you have a little foothold, and you can then pitch onto the green from there. Um, There are also sand traps. If you hit a sand trap, the ball will stop immediately, um, which can be used to your advantage. You can learn how to use sand and lily pads and trees um, to your advantage, so all of the hazards cut both ways. And I think that's one of the more interesting things about this game. I'm on a a month-long streak of playing it, um, and I think figuring out pro strategies, getting your pro strats in order, just by playing again and again and again, um, it does feel like there is quite a lot of latitude here to use the the landscape of the course in a creative way. Um, for example, bouncing the ball. If you are on an elevated tee spot and you have an elevated green, um, it can be elevated to one level or elevated to two levels, um, you can bounce the ball. So if you hit the ball from your tee, down into um, a valley type space. Um, but if you're using, the, for example, the, uh, the pitching wedge, it will have one very high bounce before it hits the ground again. So maybe you can get that ball to bounce onto the green um, and save yourself a shot. And starting to figure out things like that, like how to use bounces, figuring out that if you have to get the ball onto, for example, a tiny island surrounded by water that has only one tree, you're going to need to hit that tree from a um, from distance to slow the ball down, um, and when you start to realise that these these courses teach you the interesting ways in which you can use the uh, the different clubs and the different hazards to your advantage. I also quite enjoy that if you end up on an elevated piece of fairway and the green is below you, you can put off the edge of that little isometric elevated area. Um, And the ball may well stay on the same trajectory and go into the hole as if it was a normal putt. So there are all kinds of little tricks that you can learn and tricks that you can try. So it's a very satisfying, very simple touchscreen golf game. I've had a a lovely, lovely time with this one. And to go through some of the good things and bad things about it, and to go a little deeper on the RNG stuff, um, to start off with the good things, I think this is a a simple, clean, addictive game. Um, It really, really gets its hooks into you. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw my play count... Whoa, that was an earthquake. I wonder if that came through on the podcast. If it was, I'm going to have to leave it in. Uh, We've been getting a lot of earthquakes out in Reykjavik right now. Yeah, I just paused and listened to that back, and that that big shaking sound that you heard was an earthquake hitting my house. Oh my god. Anyway, back to coffee golf. Uh, And probably addictive. It does everything well. It's crisp, it's simple. Um, The course designs are really fun, and they vary from being uh, quite deceptively easy to being tricky, to being utterly fiendish. Um, And each course seems to ask you to do something different. Um, The course today, for example, I've had a hole-in-one on all five of the different holes, but because of the RNG, it's very hard to get five holes in one. Um, But you could. You could... You could get five holes in one and have a five score on today's course. It is possible. Um, On other days, there are so many hazards that you have to do long layups to get even anywhere near a green. So you're going to be getting like a, a 10 score or a 12 score. Like, it's just not physically possible to get a five on some days. Um, Some days you're hitting between islands, and you're trying to slow down the ball. Um, Some days you're navigating around forests, and so you're trying to put through the tree trunks. And it does feel like there is a lot of variety that the course designs that come out every day introduce. Um, I'm on a month-long streak of playing this game now, and I'm, I'm in no danger of slowing down on it. I really look forward to getting a new course each day, and I think the course designs... Um, are the reason for that, and the way that they stretch the game and make you try different things and um, have different realisations about what you can and cannot do. Um, figuring out the order to hit the the holes is also really fun. It's like that little initial puzzle of figuring out the course before you try and execute and get your perfect score. Um, I really like that phase where you're experimenting a little with like improbably long shots, seeing if you can hit a tree and bounce down into the hole, seeing if you can... Um, hit a very long shot that will bounce twice and then dribble into the hole. Um, It's very, very satisfying when you pull off um, a hole-in-one from range and especially satisfying when you get the hang of it and can do it like one time in three or something like that. Um, so you really do have a fun time shaving those shots off your score um, and trying to get the best score that you can on any given day. Um, I've really, really enjoyed that part of the game. As for the bad stuff, there is one bug that is persistent. Um, it's a collision bug, basically. Sometimes the ball will hit um, an invisible wall. I've noticed this several times. There is a little collision bug in this game. and When you get near the green, the flag will rise up out of the hole to let you put into the hole. Um, so whenever the ball comes near the hole, the flag automatically raises. And I've noticed that the ball can behave unpredictably when it is beneath the flag. It's almost like it feels like the flagpole is in the way and it isn't. So sometimes your ball can react as if it's hit something, and that will stop it from going into the hole, which can be very frustrating if you're if you're trying to shave off... Um, you know, shots and get the best score of the day, and you've had a good look with the RNG on that run, Uh, for a little bug to derail you can be a little frustrating. I've also noticed that bug, um, when the colour of the ground changes from fairway, which is a deep green, to uh, green, which is a lighter green, sometimes the ball will go over the the colour division, which is completely flat, and react as if there was a wall there and bobble a little. So there is a collision bug in the game. Um, I tweeted the devs about this, and they said that it's a bug in the colliders that is not an easy fix, but they have added it to the list. Um, my only other critique of the game, really, is the RNG part of things. So um, the variance in your shots can add an element of chance, which is good, but it can also add an element of chaos, um which is bad. It feels like sometimes like the game is handicapping you a little bit, especially if you play for as long as I do, which is uh, maybe a little too long. Maybe that's why this critique is uh, in my mind. But if you're trying to get the perfect score throughout your day and you've uh, been playing again and again, and trying to get these low-probability shots, and trying to get five of them in a row, chain them all together, and get like a seven, if you know that a seven is possible. Uh, But the RNG is fighting you, so it might be that from the tee, you know you need a hole-in-one in in order to get the best score possible, and you will end up doing that shot ten times, if you are me, or twelve times, or twenty times. Um, Sometimes it's a high probability, like you'll get it one time in three, and that's fine, Um, but sometimes it's a lower probability if it's a more difficult shot from range. And and if you really want that hole-in-one before you continue through the rest of the course, you have to just hit that shot again and again and again until you get it. Um, And that can be relaxing. Um, I have found that to be a relaxing way to play the game, but it can also teeter into frustration. So sometimes the RNG, making your shot skew off inaccurately, um, if you're trying the same course again and again and again to to get that perfect shot, um, it can sometimes feel like um, it's taking the um, the empowerment out of your hands as the player that you are wrestling against the RNG as your main opponent in this game uh, rather than trying to beat the course itself. So it ends up being this kind of player persistence versus RNG luck in whether you can land the perfect shots and get the perfect score. Um, other golf games handle this by introducing a skill element to hitting the perfect shot. For example, a timed button press. Or a little gauge where you have to land your power in the green to get the perfect power that you want. Um, so Or a QTE, that kind of thing. So other golf games do try and introduce some skill alongside the chance. Um, and that would make it feel like um, playing the course is more in the hands of the player rather than the RNG of the game. Um, I I do think that Coffee Golf is proving quite successful. The the developers have released a patch for it that made the shots a little more accurate. Um, They used to be kind of wildly inaccurate, and now they are less so. You will get um, a straight shot more often now. So they are supporting the game. They are listening. There is a Discord where you can go and talk to the developers and tell them your thoughts and share your scores. So I am hopeful that the game will continue to evolve over time. and if it does well, then of course they have um, every incentive to support it, if people keep sharing those Wordle scores and the game just goes viral um, and it, in more and more Discords and on more and more Twitter accounts, just like Wordle did. Um, who knows? This is a, a really lovely little game, It's i found it to be very relaxing to play, other than those little quibbles that I have, and I've spent an improbable amount of time on it. So I hope that the game does well, I encourage you to give it a try if you have an Android or an iOS phone, it is free to play, so you can see if you like it, and then drop that for bucks if you want to replay the courses to the, the degree of kind of perhaps improbable obsession I have. is maybe a little too much, and we'll see how long that holds up. Uh, but this was a fun one to talk about. Thanks again to Brian for the recommendation. That is Coffee Golf. <music> So that was Coffee Golf. Hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a fun one to talk about. Something a little bit different for the podcast. I haven't covered a mobile game for a while. Um, I've been really enjoying that game. I also really do enjoy playing Wordle and Quordle and Well Word and Spelling Bee, so it's nice to have a little game in my rotation of little distracting daily games There is something other than a word game. I may talk about those word games at some point. I do play them every day, you know, almost more than any other game, so they do deserve the credit. Um, but I'll be back next week, I think I'll be talking about Final Fantasy 16. I am getting near the end of that now, and I'm looking forward to rounding that game out. I also have to finish um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I did finish one of the major quest lines just the other day, so I'm, I'm making progress on that too, and I do owe you guys an episode on that one. Um, So expect those across the coming weeks. I also have a viewfinder coming up, and I think I'm going to try and get Crime O'Clock as well. So lots of great games to talk about. Um, Come and find me on Twitter if you would like to recommend a game or share your own coffee golf score. Um, It's Gaming in the Wild. I've also now got a Threads account and a Blue Sky account, as well as Instagram and YouTube. So there are more places than ever to come and connect with Gaming in the Wild. You are also welcome to become a patron at patreon.com slash gaming in the wild as well and support the show get the bonus episodes and join the community i also really appreciate people tweeting out the show sharing it with friends leaving reviews and star ratings on apple and spotify so thank you to everyone who does that Um, anyway take care of yourselves and each other i'll be back next week bye bye for now